that is how you learn, right? You see what someone else is doing, you, you test it out, and then you realize, oh, okay, I don't have to do it that way. But then how do you know what to change? Well, you got to learn someone else's method. And then you got to see how someone else is doing it. And then once you see how enough people are doing it, you can kind of start to realize how you can do it. Plus, there's that aspect of being tapped into source, right? And like actually letting the divine flow through you. Ooh, I just got chills. Welcome to The Madeline Show. to help you grow your client base by speaking up about who you are and what you do. Join me in a cohort of brilliant entrepreneurs as I show you how to increase your impact and income with the Speak Up Method. Attract soulmate clients, get speaking gigs, land press features, and grow your brand all without having a big audience. Join the Speak Up membership and spend an entire year with me as we unleash your voice and come up with a personalized strategy to get you in front of thousands of new eyeballs every single month. Sign up for the waitlist at themadelineshow.com slash speak up. I cannot wait to help you change the world. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Madeline Show. I am here with Emily June Wilcox money healer and business mentor. I have been following her for years. I am so excited to have her on the Madeline show. You guys, this woman is not only a wealth of knowledge, but such a gem of a soul. You will see. Emily, welcome. Please tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got here. Mm, Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to connect. And yeah, you know, I have been on an entrepreneurial journey for seven plus years. It's been very... uh, it's been a lot starting multiple businesses and I think we connected really more through the coaching industry, which is my most recent business, but also I would say my most beloved. (laughs) It aligns most with my soul work and it's like when you can turn a business into what you'd be sitting around in the evening talking about with friends anyway, you know you're onto something. Yeah. Oh, yes. I can feel that. I can feel that through how you show up online. Um, And yes, we did connect through your coaching. And as I, you know, dove a little deeper into your background, um, I realized all the other things that you've done. And so I would love for you to give us like a synopsis, if possible, of your journey in the different businesses. You said seven, seven years. I mean, that's a long time, but it's not too long. So I'm also kind of curious what you did before that. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I had a corporate career prior and honestly, there was overlap as well. And I think this doesn't get talked about probably enough in entrepreneurship, but um, my husband and I started our e-commerce business, which was a baby clothing company, essentially seven, seven and a half years ago, right after my daughter was born. So I was on maternity leave from my corporate sales job and Uh, we did it just as kind of like a little side thing thinking that, Hey, you know, maybe we'll fill the college fund this way. And then I went back to work, you know, my baby was 12 weeks old and it was a much rockier reentry than I ever could have anticipated. I never Mm -hmm. wanted to be a stay at home mom. And so to me, it was always so obvious that I would be a working mother, um, I was in an industry where I had a lot of flexibility in my schedule. And so like the masculine part of me that thought that I had a plan and it was all in control was like, no, we got this. Of course, I'm going to go back to work and it's going to be fine. And it wasn't fine. Like I, I felt like I should be with my child and I'm not. And instead I'm driving around Los Angeles with pumps hooked to each breast and I'm paying someone a thousand plus dollars a month to watch my baby. And so 
that really started this idea of, hey, maybe this little side thing that we're starting, could it possibly one day be the thing that changes our family dynamic and allows me to be more present with my child slash our future children? And so over the next three years, I frankly like worked a lot. You know, it, I would work the corporate sales job, come home, be a mother, and then after my daughter went to sleep, I would work probably three solid hours on the e-commerce business. And, you know, we worked on the weekends. Like, it just was the phase of life that both my husband and I were in. And what became the goal for me was that by the time we have another child, I won't have to go back to work. And so it ended up being three years. And actually, right before I had Jude, um, we also started an agency. And so it took time and it took two different businesses to be able to get enough income and enough predictability and sustainability for me to be able to quit, you know, a $150,000 a year job that also provided a car and also provided health insurance and also provided the 401k. And that, you know, like we've never looked back. And somehow, even though there are like scary months and scary years, I think, in entrepreneurship, somehow we're still doing it. And I can't imagine doing anything else. It's your soul's calling. Yeah. Wow. Wow, what an experience that would have been just thinking that, you know, just the fact that you were like, I didn't think I was ever going to be, you know, a stay-at-home mom, but just, you know, you really put it in perspective and showed us, um, like painted the picture, like, wow, I'm driving around the city with the pumps on my breasts and I'm paying someone to watch my child. Like, I don't want this. And yeah. um, you took action. I'm, I'm wondering what... Um, how did you divide and conquer the different roles in the business to start? You said your man helped you. Yeah. So Jeff's background is in product development and he had worked for a consumer electronics company and was very good at like working with factories and manufacturing and supply chain and all of that. So we just sort of divvied up based on our skill sets. And so, you know, he was responsible for, getting the inventory, making sure that it was good quality, keeping us in stock. He would he would research like new product opportunities, but then I was doing the design, like selecting like the colors and the graphics for the clothing and I was working with like other mom influencers to get like good photography and and then in those days on Amazon actually like Jeff was running our ads for a while as well. Um, it's crazy when I look back on that because now in our agency, you know, brands pay us at least five grand a month to manage their ad spend. And we pay our employees, you know, $100,000 a year and they've got like years of experience. So it's funny that we did it ourselves and that it actually worked. But, you know, sometimes you get on a platform early enough that, it's like the wild, wild west and <laughs> anything goes. And that's kind of, you know, we, we got lucky in the time that we entered the Amazon mm. space. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. Um, and so were you drop shipping at that point or were you everything? No, was being with Amazon, made? nobody really drop ships because you really need to pay for the inventory and have the inventory in Amazon warehouses Okay. To be on Prime. Um, so in that sense, it's not like we were shipping each order, but most times when people say drop shipping, what they mean is they're just selling it and then having China fulfill it and they never buy the inventory. And that's not the case. Mm. Yeah. You know, for me personally, I would even consider like sending, if you have inventory and you send it to the warehouse so that I would even consider that drop shipping just because the mind the mindset would be that someone makes an order and then you know your inventory's already in the warehouse and then Amazon's fulfilling it and you pay like thirty percent or something yeah. for that to happen. But that's well, not that bad of a deal. Um are you still doing that company? So technically yes, although at the time of this recording it's December and we're we're winding down the business. So we've already let our 
accountant know that this is our last year where she'll be doing tax returns. We've filed the payroll that says that like this is our last payroll and the company is closing. And so um, actually we're just at the point of kind of closing out that chapter of entrepreneurship. Yeah. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay. So should we talk about the agency? Sure. All right. Um, you started it three years after your first business. Um, yeah. Oh, I guess, when, when did you quit your corporate job? Where is that on the timeline? 2018. Okay. So um, four years ago. Oh, oh, wow. So you, about half the amount of time, you're an entrepreneur, you're still in corporate. Yep. Woo, that's a lot of work. Plus a mom. Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> you're a superwoman. <laughs> wow, that is a lot. Um, but here's I, what I, I'll say about that. It, yeah. I actually think, this happens more than we talk about, and it happens in different ways. But most entrepreneurs, when you talk to them, somebody is, someone or something is providing stability, okay? Because the business is not providing stability from month one. So when you actually dig into it, it's either the spouse, mm. it's, well, I was living at home with mom and dad, launching my business. There's something, because we have to give ourselves the gift of time and space and allowing the business to grow unpredictably. And it really doesn't work to start a business and month one need it to cash flow in order for you to put a roof over your head and food on the table. Like it just doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, I mean, even to go deeper into that, um, like if you're a coach or someone selling a service or even a product, if you're selling from a space of, of need, selling from a space of like lack, like you're looking at the client as a paycheck instead of as a human whose life you get to transform, it creates a different energy. It creates a different like energetic sales process and it can repel a lot of people. It can run you into burnout. Um, and it can be really, really stressful. And so I like telling people to get that money monkey off their back, you know, do what you have to do, like sell stuff, what, whatever. There's so many ways to make money. Maybe you want to take out a loan. Like that's also great. There's a yeah. lot of ways to float the business because I mean, not all, but most businesses, like you said, do not make money right away, let alone provide stability. Like it takes, I don't even know how long that takes. And that, I think that ends up turning into a mindset, right? Because you could always lose it all. Like, you, like depending on how you manage your finances and how your business runs um, and how the market is shifting and what you sell, like you have to continually make these, these changes and these tweaks in business. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, over time, I think you build in that monthly recurring revenue and such or have multiple streams of income so that you know, if one is down, it's not the end of the world. Yes. Um, but yeah, I think we all, we all need that. <laughs> it, it's the only way. And even if you're selling products, you know, I would say our first year in e-commerce, we sold $600,000 worth of product, but zero of that really went into our personal bank account because okay. the business was growing so fast that all we were doing was shoveling all of that money back into buying more inventory. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I have friends in the restaurant industry. It's like one year in, they're absolutely crushing it. They were able to make their first loan payment back to the friends and family round of investors. This is a restaurant that's booked all the time. You can only get in with reservations. So I think often in the coaching and consulting world, like we're, we're a bit naive to think that if our business isn't profitable right out the gates and isn't supporting us, that something's wrong. And when we take a look at other industries, it's like, no, actually, it's really good. If you turn any kind of profit in your first year, you're doing something right. Yeah, man. What was I just listening to? I think it was a cubicle to CEO episode. Great podcast, you guys. Ellen Yin is the host. And she brought on someone who was on Shark Tank. I can't remember the woman's name, um, but she had a product-based company and they were saying that, you know, these these women, these people that own product-based companies, even if they're they're grossing, right? So gross is how much like you're making uh, in sales and the net is like the take-home. And so if you're grossing a million dollars, like you may still not as a founder be making enough to survive because right. of all the money that it takes to run a product-based business, which... 
I never really did. I sold art, but it wasn't my inventory. And so I was making commission on art sales. And then I also had the service component because I was curating um, and then coaching artists how to be better business owners. Um, and so I don't have any experience really with products other than to know that it's not something I want to do. Because, <laughs> because, uh, yeah, the ROI just doesn't really seem high enough or feasible. It just, I don't know. I don't know. So what made you, all right. So you went from, you went from kids clothing to an agency and then to coaching. So let's talk about the, the agency. Um, what was the agency all about and how is it going now? So the agency was, you know, some of our business mentors saying like, Hey, you're not seeing this business idea that's right in front of you because everyone views you guys as the Amazon experts. Everyone comes to you for advice. You're giving them advice for free. They don't know how to execute on it. You should be doing something with this. And, you know, we needed also to augment our income from our other business if I was going to leave the corporate job. And so it all kind of was like the stars aligned. Um, and so our agency is called Elevate and, you know, we do just over a million dollars a year at this point. Um, we have a nice team and brands hire us and we fully manage the Amazon channel for them. So we develop the strategy and the execution. So we'll take whatever their advertising budget is. We'll spend those ad dollars. We do all of the copywriting, the graphic design. We help with inventory support and customer service. Um, and it's really neat. You know, we've been able to work with a lot of brands, brands that are household names. We've worked with a lot of Shark Tank brands, like you mentioned, um, and kind of everything in between. So it's creatively very interesting. Um, I, at this point, because so much of my time is spent coaching, um, I'm really only involved to the extent that I help with business development is kind of my favorite part anyway because I get to talk to either the CEO or top decision maker. I ask them all the questions that I would be so curious about anyway, which is like, how much money are you making? How much are you guys spending in ads? What's working? What's not working? We look under the hood. We make sure that we see some strategic growth opportunities. We put together a proposal for them. And then once they start to onboard with us, it sort of gets handed off to the team and they take it from there. Oh, fun. Yeah. You get, you get to do the best part, <laughs> right? In my opinion, it is. Yeah. Yeah. As you should, it's your company. Oh, fun stuff. Wow. What is it like uh, managing your team? Do you, is that part of your job? Not really. Um, it used to be. So before I started coaching, I was the CEO. And so, you know, I've done Lots of hiring and firing. I've done, you know, lots of performance evaluations, you know, using radical candor, giving feedback, training, you name it. Um, and I do believe that like entrepreneurship and our businesses are this vessel for our own personal growth. And so actually a lot of the coaching clients that I work with now are agency owners or starting consultancies. I have some coaches as well, but they have teams. And, you know, a lot of what we see show up is the wounded masculine, which is mm -hmm. I have to go it alone. I need to be in charge. I need control. I have to do it myself. I'm going to, I'm going to let you do the task, but I'm going to hold on to all of the weight of the decision and the impact and the outcome of how the task was done. And so part of my coaching is helping heal that piece so that we can step into more feminine energy in our leadership and let the team really be the divine masculine where they're providing the support and the structure that we sort of get to relax into so that we can be the visionaries and the creatives in our businesses. Oh, yes. Oh, so important. I love that you brought that up. I don't know if you've listened to any of this podcast, but we talk all the time about balancing the masculine and feminine energies and where that's like my favorite thing to talk about. Yeah, <laughs> like it's where so those... important. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I, we've all gone through our own journey, right, of like being more dominant in one or the other. And you really do. It's not ever even like and it's never the same, but you really do need to work with those and flow and see like, OK, am I, am I pushing too hard for this? Do I need to back up? Do I need a little more surrender? How can I be more in flow? And what I've realized is that you cannot 
have one without the other. You cannot be in flow and be dancing without that masculine dance floor to stand on. And it's that structure in business that allows that feminine energy to feel held and supported and just sacred. So once you identify that there's um, some wounded masculine energies, um, is there any sort of process that you can walk us through or give us some insight on how you how you bring in um, some feminine essence and help heal that sort of situation? Yeah, so I actually believe that there's so much power in kind of the diagnosis and in the naming of the thing. And I think that's a thread throughout my work, like when we get into talking about money wounds and healing them. But it's like, essentially, we perpetuate these patterns subconsciously And when we don't really understand what's happening, it's very difficult to fix it. And so what I find with so many of my clients is that even just naming it, the wounded masculine, and talking about what it looks like and the ways that it shows up is so powerful. And it helps us sort of intuitively work toward a solution. Um... Because now all of a sudden there's there's an awareness there. But what I also find is that we have a tendency to bounce between wounded masculine and wounded feminine. So there's the wounded masculine of like, I'm going to do it all myself and I've got to go it alone or I'm responsible for everything and I have to know everything that's going on and I have to be a part of every decision that's being made in my company. And then there's the wounded feminine, which is kind of like the damsel in distress, where it's sort of like, fine, you do it, you take it. And it's like this complete abdication of responsibility. And neither of those are healthy. And so often we'll find that there are certain triggers that really put us in one of these states. So we'll talk about the wounded masculine because I think it's more more common. Um, And so, for example... It's like, what triggers you to feel like, oh my God, I can't let go. I can't relax. I can't take the eye off the ball. I have to be part of every decision. For many of my clients and myself included, often it's when we're caught off guard or we're surprised by something in a bad way. So a deadline gets missed, but we didn't know ahead of time that it was going to get missed. We only found out because we happened to catch it. And so then our brain says, oh my God, What else is happening in my business that I don't know about? How many other deadlines are being missed that I just haven't even been aware of? I really have to lean in masculine energy. Instead, what we can do is sort of say, yes, we do need masculine energy, but can we put in place a system or a process that gets to be the masculine? So, for example, talking to the team and saying, hey, if we're going to miss a deadline, We have to communicate it in advance, okay? So the team needs to know in advance. We need to use some project management software. And if we're going to push a deadline, we need to put a comment on there saying why. I'd like to be tagged in it so that I'm aware. All of a sudden, now our nervous system can relax. We can go back into the, the divine feminine of more trust, more surrender, because there's a system in place. And so we, we often think that like the wounded masculine is the system, which is like, I'm just going to do it all. But there are so many ways to sort of recognize the trigger and then put in place a more permanent solution. Oh my gosh. Thank you for saying that. I love, I love that concept of, you know, it's not just the team that can be your masculine, it's the, it's the system. And then yeah. once you have that system in place, you can, you're literally your central nervous system can relax because you know, okay, I'm not going to miss anything. And you know what? Even if you do, like you're, we're not robots, right? <laughs> it's going to happen and it's okay. The world doesn't end usually. <laughs> <laughs> Hasn't so far. Well, Yeah. Yeah. We're still here. Oh, wow. So you run an agency where, or you used to be the CEO of an agency. Um, you're still part owner, I assume. Is your, is your husband running that agency then? Yeah. So he stepped in as CEO, which I'm super grateful for. Um, and then we have an incredible operations manager who handles a lot of the day to day. And then, you know, we have a pretty robust team as well. Yeah. How many clients can you, or like how many brands can you work with at a time? 
I mean, we would just continue scaling up our team to continue supporting. So we really don't have a cap mm -hmm. on that. But I think right now we've got about like 12 brands that we work with. And what's the length of time that you normally work with a company for? Man, we just had our fractional CFO run these numbers. And right now we're averaging 10 months. Um, but we have, we have a, quite a few clients that have worked with us for years. So, you know, That's that 10 sign. month includes like <laughs> the client that just started last month, the other client that okay. just started last month and that kind of thing. So, yeah, it yeah. has to be a long-term relationship. Well, I'm so thankful that you were able to have that so that you could leave corporate. And so it could be a segue and a bridge for you to become a coach. Yeah. So let's talk about that. When did you decide that you wanted to be a coach? Because you already were. I mean, that's why you started the agency in a sense. I mean, technically, that would be like consulting, right? And so what made you realize, wow, I want to just, I want to be, you know, Emily Wilcox, the the coach, the business mentor, the the money healer. Yeah, so I really didn't make that decision. Um, it it was very divinely led. Um, I've been a client of many coaches and benefited so much from coaching. And so I was able to see how important it was and how often, you know, where are our upper limits problem in our business always. And so just owning, you know, the part of me that was bringing you know, projecting my worthiness questions into my business and projecting my money stories into my business and all of that. Um, never, never did I hire any of these coaches thinking, oh, I want to build a business like yours. So it's actually really laughable because, you know, at that time I was not doing anything on social media. I was not building an audience, did not have a personal brand. You know, I worked with a coach at one point that had a podcast and was just like, okay, whatever. Um, you know, and then here we are, yeah, not even, you know, two years later. And it's like, oh, okay, well, clearly, you know, spirit had something different in mind and was putting these people in my life, life for a dual purpose. Um, but yeah, essentially at the end of, um, 2020, my intention for 2021 was to really let soul lead. And my prayer had been speak and I will listen, lead and I will follow. And so I really was trying to put myself into just feminine energy, receptivity, and um, little did I know what, what I was actually asking for because then what came through, I was in Sedona, I was like having this like shamanic massage, and she starts talking about things, and I'm like, I don't know what this lady's talking about. I'm like not resonating at all with what's coming through channeled, but when she opened up that channel, even though she was saying different things, what dropped into my mind was you need to take four weeks off from business. I was like, what? I'm not doing that. Like, and then time. I got clarification that it was six weeks and I just like sat with it kind of frankly, hoping that it would go away and I could just ignore it. Um, and it didn't. And so, you know, I kind of had to go to my husband and our other business partner and say like, you know, something's, something wants to come through and it almost feels like a, a birth. And just like childbirth, it's very inconvenient. You know, you have to clear your schedule. And I don't know what it is. I, I felt, I really felt like it was something for the agency. And uh -huh. so, I, you know, even though it was January, which like I love hitting the ground running in January and like just being more in that like taking aligned action space. But I spent that whole January and half of February not working and it was very uncomfortable for me and I had to heal a lot of my stories around my worth being tied to my production mm -hmm. and what I was doing and things started coming through. But a lot of what was coming through was really ultimately set up for me to be able to take a step back from the agency. So that was how we ended up promoting this person into the operations manager role some stuff came through around financial modeling for the agency. And at the same time, I was feeling just more and more disconnected. I thought I was going to be so ready to go back to it. And it was like each week passed and it, and I was feeling less and less interested in plugging back into that business. I'm like, okay, God, then what? And it was like coaching. And I'm like coaching. Okay. Like, but what am I going to coach on? 
It was like money, wealth. And of course I felt wildly disqualified from that because to me it felt like that was the one place that always had power over me was Mm. money and wanting to make more of it and not knowing how to multiply it fast enough and all of that. Um, But that's how it all started. And so I've just been sort of like bravely putting one foot in front of the other and, you know, cultivating my body of work and getting to the place where it's like, oh yeah, of course it's money. And of course it's me. And I'm, you know, uniquely qualified to do this work. Yeah. I I think your reasons for not feeling qualified are actually your reasons for being qualified. Yeah. to teach that you have a host of different programs do you want to walk us through what that journey has been like creating like a suite of offers and building your your brand I almost called it an empire what do you see it as (laughs) empire so yeah a year ago as I was kind of saying like what do I want this next year to look like I asked myself a question which was if everything worked what would I do Ooh, that's a good one yeah And what I saw from leaders in the coaching space was really, you know, running pretty frequent, like almost monthly programs and having a way to just connect into all the programs, but then having a higher level mastermind and having one-on-one coaching. And so, as you said, having this whole suite of offers, and I really didn't have much of that. I had run a couple programs, um, one of which is called Fempire, Um, but I I essentially just said like, well, whether it works or not, like the person that I get to become through the year of creating all of this will be worth it. And so that's what the last year has been, you know, just a lot of, a lot of content creation and, um, and, and it's of course not stopping. Right. So you and I were talking beforehand about my money wounds quiz. And right now it's like, there's the free quiz. And then there's an invitation into money wound medicine, which is um, an evergreen program. And it's $444. And like that program is like my life's work in one program. It's so phenomenal. Um, But like one of the things that I want to do, and it's like on my planner right now is create a step in between where Mm. if your top money wound is the money shame wound, you can buy a hypnosis, a guided hypnosis just for releasing and healing the money shame wound. And maybe that'll be, I don't know, $44. And then, you know, there's still the invitation into the program, of course, but I'm just, you know, I think it's really fun to continue to look at more more ways for people to get connected to your work and yeah. ways for it to feel really accessible and for it to feel like an easy yes and an obvious next step. Um, and that's been an evolution for me too because I think I was a little – I was believing in, in the methodology or the idea ideology that like – people get to just stretch and expand by like kind of being scared and saying yes anyway. And I get that. And I've so been there. And I also feel like, "Mm, okay, if you want to do that, that's always available to you. And if you just want it to feel like a staircase and it's just one step at a time, I actually just want to build that staircase too. Oh, I love that analogy. Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes it's fun also for someone to just go and buy a $44 meditation and they don't need or want the whole course. Like, where did I I read? Maybe it was a piece of content or something that you had out. You're like, look, I can charge multiple five figures a month for coaching, but I want this to be accessible. I want to be able to help more people because the fact is, is there's only like, yes, of course, there's someone for every price point. Like I, I sold art. I understand that. And there's also a lot of people that need help, that need your work, that don't want to go sell their freaking home to buy a program yeah. or a month coaching with you. Um, also, that can when we do that, that creates kind of like that needy energy, like, oh, geez, I better get a result. Otherwise, like, right. I'm homeless or I can't right. buy food. And, and we don't want that. 
we don't want that. Like there's, I think there's a lot and a lot that can be learned when someone does go all in and they do take out the loan and, and they do the things that stretches them. And that's for a certain type of person in a certain type of place in their life. And then it's also really fun to just sample everyone's stuff. Like I totally. love buying little offers here and there. Like I just bought Melanie Ann Layers like $20 and 22 cent invisible offer. And I just bought a template from my friend who's the CEO at Allure. Like I'm in this, I'm also part of this year long mentor- mentorship program, but I like sampling everyone's work. I like getting a taste of everything, especially right now. Like this is the season, you know, end of the year, new year coming up. People have all these different goal setting workshops going on. And thankfully, I think a lot of other people are on the same train as you, whereas they're creating more accessible offers, lower ticket offers, recession proof offers, right? And it's, it's really fun to shop that way. And it's really fun to give that way. Even though you're selling, it is still giving because like when you know a high level coach is offering a $19 goal setting workshop like they're they're giving it to you (laughs) you're paying so you show up (laughs) 100% like no one's getting rich off of that thing and there is an energetic exchange which is really important for both parties Yes. The energetic exchange. That is like one of my favorite phrases. It's so true. It's how you can have an amazing relationship with another coach and do a service trade or, um, like with art sales and and commission sales, you basically can craft, you you can craft your contract based on what you feel like is an appropriate energetic exchange. Cause you never know, you might be getting new contacts out of this artist that you're working with. And you're like, you know what? I'm willing to work with you. Your art is more expensive. So yeah, I do like 10%. Plus I get access to your network. That feels like a good energetic exchange for me. Yeah. So I love that you just brought up that concept. We speak similar languages. It's so fun. It's like I knew. I'm so glad that you're here. Um, Okay, so I want to know a little bit about, I I know you have a lot of different programs. I want to know what your one-on-one coaching is like and what your favorite process is to take people through, if that's even a question you can answer. So my one-on-one coaching is, you know, it's so highly customized, but I love that. It's The way I look at it is like you get a front row seat in my life and I get a front row seat in your life. And so we really get to know a lot about each other. And I do think that in that depth and intimacy, it's really important. You know, I have a lot of clients that have been working with me now the entire time that I've been a coach, like a year and a half, which is not lost on me that they continue to say yes. And it's like there are patterns and things that I can call out on them and bring to their attention that can only be true because I've been with them long enough to see the cyclicality and see things coming forward. Um, But I really believe in a mix of strategy and energetics. And, you know, it's like I would not want to just do all strategy. That I would not be down with that. But I also don't want to just do energetics because it's like there is a part of me that loves the how and loves being able to help brainstorm the new offer or have a client come to me and be like, you know, I'm struggling to like say it the way I want to. And then I just like tap into the energy of like them in the offer and like words can flow through me. And it's so fun. And it's like someone call that copywriting and some might still call it energy work and it's probably both. Um, But I really enjoy that. And it's like, no subjects are off limits. Like, yes, yes, we're all sort of calling this business coaching and we're going to talk about sex. We're going to talk about money. We're going to talk about like motherhood and relationships with family and hiring and firing. And like, it's just all of the things that come up. Yeah. Yeah, man. Business is the personal development journey of a lifetime. And from just what I noticed is in coaching artists and now all different types of entrepreneurs is that the business problem, the, I'm going to put quotes up, the business problem is usually a personal problem or something yeah. else that's happening in another area of their life that's bleeding into the business. And so I couldn't actually imagine working with a coach that didn't have any sort of concept around energetics because I don't know how you would fix a business problem that wasn't actually a business problem. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it would just oh, keep resurfacing. Well, I've been in those coaching containers and I will tell you that those coaches have no problem looking at everything as just a business problem mm. and treating it as such. The thing is, is you just don't get the results that way. 
Yeah. Like you can just spin your wheels on goal setting and breaking it down into the things you need to do every day and measuring the outcomes. Like, right. I I've, I've participated in that. And unfortunately it just does not work very well. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of shame in those types of coach. I was in a coaching container like that only for a couple of months and then I exited, um, for a number of reasons. Um, but it ends up being like, you're the problem. You know, the problem is there because you can't fix it because you're not doing the work. You're not looking at the analytics properly, or you're not following the 10 step freaking program. Right. Totally. It's hard. (laughs) It's like, yeah, it it does feel a little bit like gaslighting and like, oh, you just need to work harder or you just need to whatever. And it's like, maybe, maybe actually the problem is that your blueprint is not my blueprint and your 10 step process is not my 10 step process. Oh, and honestly, poor us for ever thinking that someone else's blueprint was actually going to be our blueprint. Yeah. That was kind of like an us mistake, but it was, it's what we were told. It's only, it hasn't, what did I just learn? Yesterday I learned that women have only been able to sign their own, sign off on their own business loans for 33 years. Wow. Which means yeah, 34 years ago, as a woman in business, you could not take out money on your own yeah. without a man being there, which blew my freaking mind because I always, you know, I always knew like my grandmother paved the way for me, like all these women paved the way for us, but I... I mean, just like in the 80s, you weren't able to take out a a business loan as a woman. And so that really just blows my mind. And it's not our fault that we were raised to think, I don't know if you were, but I was raised to think that, you know, only men could run businesses. Like I didn't even know I could be an entrepreneur until I accidentally became one as a professional skier. And I was like, oh, I guess, I guess I'm an entrepreneur. Um, (laughs) I guess this is what it's like. Yeah. Yeah. I had no idea it was even an option. Which just sounds so silly because obviously it's an option and like obviously women were in business 10 years ago, but there's this like weird identity thing that just kind of like blinded me from realizing like there was another way of doing things. And I think that that's why at the beginning of my entrepreneurial journey, I joined a, a program that was very much like do this, do this, you will get this result. Yeah. But then in the contract, you know, no guarantees, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. a lot of people didn't get the result, but I'm not yeah, going to bash I, other I people. I sort of think that that's like... You know, if business were a college curriculum, trying it someone else's way would be a prerequisite. Like, it would be a mandatory course for graduation. (laughs) I just don't know anyone, male or female, that hasn't really given it a go at trying it someone else's way. So I just think that that's, like, one of those things that you have to learn experientially in order to heal. And, Mm. and even when we think we've healed it, sometimes it will come up in really subtle ways. Like my coaching business has never felt more like me and like my self-expression and I've never felt more in my sovereignty. And, and yet like just in this last week, I feel like I'm really claiming the ways in which I want to do things differently than the way that it's traditionally done in the industry. And so again, there was a shedding of someone else's way and not because these people told me I had to, but because I was studying their business and seeing their success. And so subconsciously, even though I never formally made a choice, oh, I'm going to do it the way that this person does it. I just was. And it's like, it was a sneaky way that I was following someone else's playbook. You know, that is such a good point. And thank you for saying all of that. Like we, that is, if you don't go to business school, even if you do, that is how you learn, right? You see what someone else is doing, you, you test it out and then you realize, oh, okay, I don't have to do it that way. But then how do you know what to change? Well, you got to learn someone else's method and then you got to see how someone else is doing it. And then once you see how enough people are doing it, you can kind of start to realize how you can do it. Plus there's that aspect of being tapped into source, right? And like actually letting the divine flow through you. Whoa, I just got chills. And like (laughs) spirit and allowing the the universe and God to really lead your path and, and, I always say like surrender the how to him because it's, it's not up to me 
the way things happen. Like I only know what I know based on what I know. And yeah, is there like some copycatting going on? Yeah. How do we learn to talk? Right. <laughs> Literally just like mimicking other people. But then once you can tap into spirit, I've noticed like I, I only work with people who it's kind of a prerequisite at this point, only work with people who are tapped into spirit because it just allows for a completely different like coaching or consulting container, yeah. whatever the type of work is that I'm doing. There has to be a surrender component. There has to be this like, okay, let just let go. You can only do so much. You can only be at your core, the best person you can possibly, possibly be. And then you have to let go. Yeah. And you have to just let it be and be content with what is. Amen. (laughs) Thank you. Amen. God is good. So how can people find you? How can they shop your suite of programs? How can they get a taste of your coaching and see if working with you is right for them? Yeah. So I hang out online. I'm on Instagram at mmakesmoney. I'm on Facebook, Emily June Wilcox. So I would say those are the places to like really know what's current. But I do try to put most everything on my website. Just shout out transparency. Like I don't believe in high ticket sales where you have to like get on the phone to learn the price and whatever, you know, like just go to emilywilcox.com and click around and you'll see the different programs and offers and, um, my money wounds quiz is a great place to start too. So if, if anyone listening wants to just identify what's holding them back and what's blocking, you know, that, that influx of money into their lives, moneywoundsquiz.com. It's free. It's six questions and you get really potent responses and answers. And from there, it leads you into some free healing resources and then, as I mentioned, if you want to take that next step into money wound medicine, then that's available as well. Yeah, you guys, I was just on her website. I was just in the middle of that money quiz. I'm definitely going to go back to it. And you can literally go buy a $15,000 coaching package right now if you want to. And I really appreciate you having that sales system set up. I think I'm that's I'm a big fan of transparency, too. It's like this is a product you are shopping. Like, let it be easy. Yeah. Let people know what it is you're selling, let it be easy for them to buy it from you. And if that means they're on a painful wait list, great. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I think about luxury handbags and stuff and it's like, well, what if a Louis Vuitton is like on your vision board, but you have no idea what the freak it costs? Like, how is that going to be helpful for you? So instead, you can actually just go and look and see how much it is. And you're like, oh, cool, cool. Well, the one I want is five grand. And I feel very triggered by that. And I don't know when I'm going to be able to buy the $5,000 bag. But now I know. And when you know, then all of a sudden, like, you can actually get creative about the ways that the money can show up for it. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, I just don't see why coaching and services should be any different. Yeah. And you're the money healer. So correct me if I'm wrong, but money likes to know where it's going to go. So if yes. you want to manifest some money, it's it's a lot better to know like, okay, I'm manifesting $5,000 instead of like, okay, I'm manifesting this handbag. I have no idea how much it costs. Um, because when you're calling in money, whether it's, you know, from like a logical standpoint, an energetic standpoint, or both, it's, it's really nice to know like, okay, this percentage is going to giving, this amount is going into buying a home, this amount is going into a kid's college fund. Like that gives it a place to go and it's going to move through you in a more efficient way because it knows that you now, money knows that you now become this catalyst for expansion, right? It's not just going to go sit in an account somewhere like, no, it gets to flow through you and 10x itself and make more positive things happen in the world. Yeah. I I think having specificity is really helpful and knowing where you want it to go and, and really probably most importantly is tapping into the feeling of that version of you that has it. That's Mm. the most magnetizing for money to come in. So I do think sometimes we get a little bit hung up on money and money is kind of the middleman. Um, And so I'm totally down for us to have a great relationship with the middleman. But the thing that really is activating is what's on the other side of that. Is it the handbag? Is it investing in coaching? Is it the the trip you want to take? Is it buying your house? Like in tapping into how you think you're going to feel And then just being open to the fact that you can feel that way so many different ways. Yeah. (laughs) 
Like, like the money might like be right one now. piece of it. <laughs> and yet is like the more you can feel free, which is how you think you're going to feel once you have the money, the easier the money can flow to you. Yes. And you just made a really good point. Just because you have the money doesn't mean it's going to bring the feeling. In fact, you can have the feeling that you you think you're going to get. You can have that feeling now. Yes. You don't need that thing to have the feeling. And so this is when people teach manifestation, when they say tap into the feeling, bring the feeling in now, like it's literally possible to do that and, and to feel that part of you now. Like, okay, so here's an example for me. I want to be incredibly philanthropic with my money. Right now, I have the opportunity to be philanthropic with my time more so than my money. And so I decided to join a local nonprofit. I am so out of my league. These women are so amazing. And I'm the youngest one in this group. And I'm definitely donating the least out of everyone. Um, But I'm still in that room. I signed up. I'm there. I even signed up for like the women's life business cards. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be a representative of this group. I'm going to do everything that I can now because I know that that's a step in the direction that I want to go. There's nothing stopping you guys from moving in the direction that you want to go other than yourself. You can always, always make shifts. You can always keep putting one foot in front of the other. It's those micro moves. It's not like you blink your eyes one day and you're where you want to be. Like you got to be content with where you are now and enjoy the journey. And then the journey becomes the gift. And that's where you get the feeling that you so desire that you think you can't have. It's, it's right here. It's right here. Mm. Amen. I love it. (laughs) I have have nothing to add. (laughs) Well, you guys, um, go look in the show notes and you can figure out how to get on Emily's website. There's going to be an affiliate link there. If you want to support me in this podcast, access her website through my affiliate link and then go browse all of her programs. She even has links in there to retreats, um, all sorts of stuff that she's done. And, um, just, oh, and her podcast. We'll link to your podcast too. M makes money. We'll link to your Instagram. Yes, of course. Anything to get you more exposure and to connect people with you. That is the goal of this podcast is to showcase amazing entrepreneurs and just connect everyone. So thanks so much for coming on the show. It's been awesome meeting you and I know we'll stay in touch. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Bye guys. Hey, loyal listener, please rate and review this podcast. Your feedback is needed and you matter. It would be an honor if you shared this with a friend. Send this episode to whoever pops into your mind first. It's like a little exercise on intuition. And trust that that insight is the hand of God working through you to make someone else's life better today. Visit themadelineshow.com to stay up to date on my free trainings and different offerings, including self-paced online programs that activate your mind and enhance your life. Who knows, maybe you'll find something today that completely changes your tomorrow.